You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 297th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 953rd episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of June 29th, 2023. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Martin takes the shot. This week's banner moment will be on the same topic as last week's, Indiana having two draft picks, but with a little bit of a different spin. While it's obviously great that Jalen Hood-Shafino went from two-year plan to one and done, and the visual of him embracing Woody in the green room will surely be seen by every recruit Indiana pursues, I want to focus on Trace Jackson Davis. It's possible to view his draft night slide as a disappointment, especially in light of the many mock drafts that had him getting picked at the end of the first round. Trace surely saw it this way, tweeting, quote, y'all will regret it, I promise you, as second round pick after second round pick passed without his name getting called. But as they say, all's well that ends well. And the truth is that outside of the pick number of his selection, I'm actually not sure draft night could have gone much better for Trace in Indiana. Consider the following five points. One, Golden State traded an asset to get back into the second round to pick Trace, showing that he's not just a second round afterthought. They want him, and they're going to be invested in his development. Two, he got a guaranteed NBA contract, which many guys picked in and around his draft slot don't get. And sure, it helps when your agent is the brother of Golden State's new GM. Three, he's in a perfect system to take advantage of his skills as a screener, passer, cutter, rebounder, and shot blocker. And if Draymond stays, there isn't a better veteran duo of bigs for him to learn from than Draymond and Kevon Looney. Four, Draymond and Looney are both getting up there in years. Their eventual departure will open up a more prominent role for Trace once he has a few years of seasoning to take advantage of it. And five, from IU's perspective, getting Trace and Jalen on high-profile teams like the Lakers and Warriors is great for reinforcing their story to recruits of Bloomington being a launching pad for NBA dreams. Both guys figure to at least carve out reserve roles on teams that have big playoff expectations. So all in all, I'm ecstatic for both Jalen and Trace. It seems they went to franchises who really believe in them and have a clear vision for their development and usage. Last Thursday night was a great one for Indiana basketball, and if IU's coaches continue to play their cards right on the recruiting trail, this year's NBA draft has a chance to represent the beginning of an important annual trend for a program that simply hasn't had enough of the top-end players to compete consistently on a national level. Oh, and for what it's worth, in ESPN's latest mock draft, Khalil Ware is a lottery pick, number 11, and Mackenzie Mbako, number 31, is the first pick in the second round. So let's do it again in 2024. All right, now let me introduce my co-host this week. Ryan and Coach are both off, but here with me, he is the Steve Kerr of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati. He is the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and he looms over other bracketologists like he's Victor Wembenyama. It is Andy Bottoms. 
the best of you sports coaching you know that we got them when it comes to analytic trends you know he can spot them for first class bracketology if you want the top you gotta go bottoms if you want the top you gotta go bottoms if you want the top you gotta go bottoms it always happens that, like, for the first couple days after a show that you're on, I end up just walking around my house. You got to go bottoms if you want the top. Uh, Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in Indiana basketball? Uh, I could probably give one on the last month of Indiana basketball. I haven't been on in a while from <laughs> vacation and other things. But uh, I, luckily, not a ton has uh, has happened, although I, I did enjoy the um, you know the draft preview show and then uh, I fit that in before the draft and then uh, went back and listened to you and coach break out the minutes. So I thought that was good discussion about the roster as well. But, uh, you know, the big thing, as you said, was really the draft and, and, uh, the excitement that you feel for, uh, both Jalen and trace, I think, as you said, ended up in good situations, whether they went where they thought they would or not. Uh, I think situationally, not, not too bad, all things considered and, uh, and a good night for, for IU. And, and from this team's perspective, we'll talk about it in a couple minutes, but the schedule is finalized. So, uh, as you start looking at the pieces that come together, uh, overall, I think a pretty good schedule, maybe not quite as many highs as last season's schedule, but probably not as many lows either, which um, I think sometimes from a, whether that's a bracketology strength of schedule, whatever you want to say, I think sometimes that can be uh, a good thing as well. So uh, excited to see that part finished, have dates associated with that and can try to uh, figure out at least from a, a family perspective when we might be able to swing over around the holidays, which is usually our uh, our best chance to do it. So it uh, seems like maybe a couple options that fall into that range this year. So that's always exciting for me and uh, other IU fans who try to take advantage of the same opportunity when uh, you know students are away and a little bit easier to get tickets. Absolutely. Well, it's great to have you back, Andy. Great to have great you to back. be here. Um, all right. So here's what we have in store this week. Uh, here in the rest of segment one, we'll break down the schedule. That'll be who's your headlines. Cause there wasn't a whole lot else that happened this week. And then segments two and three, we've got a special guest this week. We are going to talk big 10 hoops with Anthony Wright, former player at Michigan. You know, him on Twitter as it's Ant Wright. Uh, one of the most entertaining, uh, and educational follows if you're a big 10 basketball fan. So he's here, uh, and we are going to talk with him about Indiana and all things, big 10 hoops, uh, in segments two and three. So that should be really fun. All of that coming this week on assembly call radio. But first let's talk about our presenting sponsor. So this edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere. So many great logos like the Bison, other IU logos that you know we haven't seen in decades. And Home Field went back into the archives, pulled them out, breathed new life into them, put them on the most comfortable materials that you could find. And that's why Home Field is so great. And, you know, the other great thing about them and the reason why you should be following them on Twitter, you know, subscribing to the email and text alerts, whatever's best for you, is they're constantly adding new stuff. I just saw today they dropped a Kentucky uh, line. It's 12 items uh, in their new Kentucky line, which means that you could actually give a different item to each Kentucky basketball player and still have like six or seven of them left over, uh, which is kind of nice. Um, but no, Homefield Apparel, they've got something for everybody. So whether you're doing, you know, early Christmas shopping or birthday shopping or whatever it is, Homefield is a place to go because anybody who likes comfortable clothes with stylish designs, 
they've got something for them. And if, you know, they happen to be a big fan of a particular university or college, then they're definitely going to like what Homefield has. We have a promo code HOME, H-O-M-E, that will give you 15% off your first order when you go to their website, homefieldapparel.com. But again, you know, if you're following them on Twitter or on the email list, sometimes they have flash sales for 20% off. So you can even do better than the 15% off. And those apply if you've purchased before. So lots of ways to save on all their great stuff. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Use that promo code HOME to get 15% off if it's your first order. Wear one for the team. Okay. Andy, let's talk about the schedule. Uh, I imagine, you know, everybody saw it, uh, but just to, you know, do kind of the quick rundown, uh, you've got your headliner games, which are the Empire Classic that Indiana is going to be participating in. And we don't know the matchups there, but it's going to be UConn, Texas, and Louisville. And that'll be two games. So you'll get your initial matchup, whoever wins will then play in the championship game. And then there's also a consolation game. Uh, UConn currently in the Torvik ratings, number four. Texas, number nine, Louisville, number 138. Uh, Indiana also has the return game against Kansas, which is currently number two in Torvik's preseason projections. And then the game against Auburn in Atlanta, uh, Auburn currently number 35. So those are your headliner games. Then you've got just some solid matchups against teams in the mid 100s, Florida Gulf Coast, number 118, Wright State, number 134, and Kennesaw State, number 142. They do have a new coach and lost a bunch of guys off the team that Indiana played last year. So we'll see uh, how good uh, they are, but they're still projected to be pretty good. And then you've got, you know, the games that, that we would classify in the cupcake uh, category, Army, number 291, Harvard, number 245, North Alabama, 195, and Moorhead State, 222. And the first thing that jumps out there, Andy, is nothing in the 300s. And so, as you said, you know, the high is not quite as high, but the low is not quite as low. You know, so even, you know, just kind of looks different. You know, Army and Harvard aren't typically the teams that you see down there in the 300s. And so even though they're rated pretty low, those tend to be programs that are a little bit better than that. Um, so just curious, you know, for you to kind of expound on your thoughts that you talked about a little bit before on how the schedule strikes you. Because to me, you know, I – yeah, you know, you don't have the game against Arizona and some of that stuff, although I think the game against Auburn will be really fun. Um, but, you know, some of those lower games don't figure to be quite the same, you know, uncontested blowouts uh, as we've had in the past, which would just make those more interesting both for fans to watch and then I think also what the coaches uh, can learn uh, from those performances. Yeah, I mean, the, the SWAC and the Southland are noticeably absent from the, uh, from the schedule. So that's always, uh, always disappointing, but no, yeah. I, I think, I think when you look, you, you've got some quality mid-major type programs with Florida Gulf coast, Wright state is always good. Should be one of the better teams on the horizon. And I think if remembering correctly from listening to uh, Rocco Miller on a uh, podcast on the brink, he talked about Kennesaw state while they did lose the coach and a number of players, they do still have some of the pieces back from the team that IU played last year and that uh, gave Xavier all they could really handle in the, in the NCAA tournament. So I think, you got a few of those good good games there. You've got a few that should be relatively easy. Um, you know, the Harvard game comes on a neutral floor to, you know, I guess give you a little bit of a, a boost in that regard. Um, but you know, I think and I think with what you what you might see uh, is with with some of these other uh, these other teams is you might have some closer games than you might want to um, for this team that's really trying to integrate a lot of new pieces and things like that. Maybe that won't end up being the case, but I do think you're playing a little bit better caliber teams that might be able to, uh, things are going well for them, give them a little bit of run for their money. But I think that helps prepare you uh, a bit better. And if one or two of those teams ends up being even better than what Torvik predicts, 
uh, could be a little bit better win from a tournament resume standpoint than um, maybe some of the ones they've had in the past. So I think overall a pretty good job. And realistically, I, I know I said the highs weren't quite as high, but uh, in reality, you're, you're guaranteed to play either UConn or Texas, maybe not both, um, and Kansas. So those are really two, no matter what combination of those, at least two, maybe three really, really high-end games. And, and Auburn is always going to be competitive, and a, an SEC team on a neutral floor is going to be good. So, um, you know, don't mean to downplay it all that much. I do think you still have some uh, some headliners as, as you categorize them here uh, in that regard. And um, I think it's the kind of thing you're going to look at how you get another good non-conference game in the post-Big Ten ACC Challenge world uh, that IU finds itself in right now. Yeah, and that's the other thing to remember about, you know, just chronologically how this non-conference schedule will play out. There will be two Big Ten games mixed in there as well. Um, you know, so those will happen in December. You know, and it's one of those things, Andy. I mean, obviously Indiana is replacing a lot of production from last year, you know, and sometimes when that happens, you know, in the past, you know, whether it was under Tom Crean or Archie Miller or even Mike Woodson's first season, you know, the schedule was a little softer in the non-conference to kind of account for that. Um, and Indiana didn't really do that this year. And I think that's perfectly fine. Um, you know, you've got, you know, these games against, you know, really good teams to challenge yourself, but I think it's good that, you know, instead of just fattening up on four or five cupcakes in the three hundreds where you're going to dominate and put up stats, but you don't really learn anything about your team, you know, playing Florida Gulf coast, Wright state and Kennesaw state that could all beat you in assembly hall. If you don't, you know, if you bring a C effort, um, you know, that's going to be a game that goes down to the wire. I think that's good for this team. Because this team has talent, you know, they lack obviously some cohesion that they'll get through playing and just, you know, some of the young guys lack experience. Um, but I would much rather run the risk of playing a team like that and dropping it if the team's not ready to play rather than, you know, like I said, four five, six games against cupcakes where you're going to learn nothing. So, you know, it's risk reward. And I think it'll also just help, you know, strength of schedule numbers and all those things. So I think it, it shapes up pretty well for the kind of team that we have. Like I don't, I don't think this roster is good enough that you would want to just play like a murderer's row, you know, and go play like seven or eight games against top 20 teams because you're probably not going to be ready for it. But this schedule has a nice balance, I think, that can help prep this team for Big Ten play while also giving them the opportunities that they'll need to notch wins, you know, for NCAA tournament consideration. So I don't have many quibbles with it. I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with, with what this schedule is going to give us. Yeah, I would agree. And I think you always want to see – some different stylistic teams uh, play it. I think Army plays a little bit of a different style. Harvard, uh, a bit of that as well. So I think, I think that's the other thing that you you want coaches to try to do is how can you mix and match games to be able to pick up wins, but also do some things that prepare you for the season while also allowing time for guys to play uh, who might not get a lot of minutes later in the season, while also allowing you to experiment with some different things personnel wise and. Uh, and whatever. So it's a delicate balance when you try to figure out all those things. But I think they did a pretty good job and uh, have a chance to earn some wins that will really, uh, if they can pick them up, will, uh, you know, carry them through the season and, and into March from a seeding perspective. Um, and also really seem to have a lack of games that really hurt you from a strength of schedule standpoint. Now you go out and drop a few of those, uh, you know, non-headliner games that obviously hurts. But I think just from yeah. a pure scheduling standpoint, they haven't put themselves at a disadvantage by any stretch. Yeah. So I'm curious. Uh, you said you listened to the episode coach and I did on the minutes. Did you find yourself having any major quibbles on how we doled out the minutes? 
no, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think it underscored and you, you guys talked about this, what a difficult exercise that really is where you can kind of have a conversation with your friend at the bar and off the cuff, start rattling off numbers. And then when you see how they actually roll up, um, it, it's not quite what you think it is. Um, you know, I think as you look at it right now, you've, you've got question, you've got a lot of question marks for different reasons. You've got the question of, you know, CJ Gunn and Caleb Banks. And I think Gunn is a pretty big wild card in terms of what his minute, you know, the range of minutes that he might get. Uh, I think that he's, he's kind of a wild card in that regard. And I think Mbako is the other one where I, I think if he plays well, the, you guys probably come out on the low end um, of that regard, given yeah. his skill set and, and maybe some of what he brings to the table. But it, it's it's hard to project forward and you think that they want to play, you know, more guys. And and by the same token, we've kind of talked ourselves into like, oh, this team's going to be deeper and Woodson's going to play more guys and whatever. And that didn't prove to be the case. Now, injury to, to X was part of the factor for that. So it's probably not fair to heap that totally on, you know, Woodson's general philosophy or, or things like that. So, you know, I think it's hard when you step back and you look and it's like, hey, there's 10 guys who are getting, you know, double digit minutes. That seems based on what we've seen to your sample size, perhaps unlikely, but I think the logic used to get there is really probably as important as anything in terms of trying to figure out how that looks and, and doing it by averages is also difficult because you kind of look at some of the games early in the season, you figure, Hey, they're going to be able to get these guys some minutes. And how does that average out over the course of the season? Although I feel like I used that logic in some of Jay's over unders last year, like, Oh, this guy's (laughs) going to do this in the non-conference. And I'm pretty sure I did really poorly in that exercise. So uh, that may not be, uh, yeah. So that may not be, that may not be a fair way to do it is to bank on too many things in the, in the (laughs) non-conference, but no, I, I didn't have any major quibbles with it by any stretch. Um, Especially given how many of the players on the roster, we've not really seen, play either at all for IU or or yeah. any significant and meaningful minutes for IU uh it becomes all that much more difficult of a of a task yes okay uh well coming up here on assembly call radio we are excited to be joined by Ant Wright to talk Big 10 hoops he's here we're going to debate his top 5 positional lists find out who he likes and doesn't like on IU's roster and much much more stick with us here on the assembly call Ant, what's up, man? What's happening? How you guys doing? Good. Doing well. How about you? Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm good. I'm good. Chilling. Hanging out. Are nice we live on something? Where are we live at right now? Oh, yeah. We're live. We're live on YouTube, live on Twitter, live on Facebook. Dang, y'all live everywhere. 
Oh, I didn't tell you that before I sent you the link, did I? Oh, yeah, we're live. Oh, oh man, so good. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, you told him that before he really said anything. So, I mean, you didn't totally, uh, you didn't totally hang him out to dry. Just oh, partway. Uh, well, thanks for doing this, man. I've been looking forward to talking to you ever since we started interacting on Twitter. So, hey, not a problem. Not a problem at all, Jared. Nice to get you on here. Um, okay, so let me. Uh, I'll do a little intro here, and we'll just hop right into it. Here we go. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest here with us this week to talk Big Ten hoops. He's a young man who played at Oak Hill Academy and then after that played at Michigan from 2006 to 2010 before transferring to Toledo for his final season. Uh, Founded the Right Media Group and the Full Ride Network, hosts the Big Ten Coast to Coast podcast. You know him from his Twitter account at It's Ant Wright. It is Ant Wright who is here with us to talk Big Ten Hoops. And thanks for making time tonight, man. We appreciate it. Dang, shout out to the crowd giving me the standing ovation. That's right. The first uh, Michigan grad, I think, to uh, get a standing ovation on this oh, show. Oh, really? But that's okay. I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> no uh, Max Bielfeld love? Uh, we have some Max Bielfeld love, actually. He's going to be doing the outro for the uh, for the show. We've got him oh, on nice. here, too. So, nice. no, we love we loved our one season with Max Bielfeld. No doubt about it. <laughs> Um, hey, so before we jump in and start talking about the Big Ten, I was going back through your career and saw that while you were at Michigan, you went two and two against Indiana, uh, mm-hmm. including a loss in 2008 uh, to that red hot Indiana team that was 13 and one under Kelvin Sampson before everything really just good. just, you know, yeah. really since everything, you know, until everything obliterated for about 20 years in the program. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts, just kind of your memories about that team or those Indiana teams from back in the day when, when you were at Michigan. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's kind of funny cause you know, usually there is a team out there that I had a good game against, or I have like a memorable experience with. And, you know, Indiana is one of those teams where I really don't have one, but at the same time, uh, I do remember going into, um, Summit Hall for the first time and, the, the way that it's built is is weird. Like, I've been in, I feel, almost every stadium arena out, out there. And um, Sunley Hall is one of the weirder ones because it feels like the – feels like you're in, like, a like an opera house. Yeah. Where, like, one side just goes straight up. And um, I remember during the game, something happened, and the students <laughs> – The student section was chanting "Stand up, old people!" Uh, <laughs> to the uh, to the like boosters and the people who had money who are too good to stand up. Um, I, I remember getting chirped in the game by someone who was sitting courtside. I remember, mm. remember that. Um, was it John Mellencamp by chance? I I don't even know who it was. I just remember some dude with like brown hair. Clearly, like his like mid twenties, just say get back on the bench, right? And I was like, I'm gonna shoot, I'm gonna shoot the ball as soon as I touch it. Like that's all I knew was gonna happen. Whatever the play is, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna shoot it. 
uh, and look at this guy. Um, I missed, so I didn't look at him. Um, <laughs> but I will say uh, that was also, you know, that game where we were down by like 20. We were down by 20. This was, I believe, 0809. We were down by 20, and uh, one of our guys just got hot. And my boy CJ, I think he had a good game too. Um, we came back and won that game after being down by 20 uh, at your place. That mm. was huge for us because uh, we couldn't lose that game because we were what we were like a 10 seed at the end of the, the day. So looking back, it's like we could not lose that game, right? So we um, after that game, there was really severe ice and our plane was just a mess. So we didn't leave until like four in the morning. Oh man. And I had an 8 a.m. that following day. So we literally got back and I took a nap in the locker room, got on the bus and went to class. Cause if you don't go to class, you run at practice and I'm just not doing that. So um, I know super boring stories and usually there's a lot more, but, um, one thing I will remember and stay with me for forever um, was when we played that DJ White team. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. I've played a lot of teams growing up. I played a lot of teams growing up. Uh, I played a lot of um, – we've beaten a lot of teams. Uh, like I've, I played against some really good players some guys who are going to be Hall of Famers. I think I'm going to win every game. Doesn't matter if I'm playing five minutes or 40 minutes. That is the only time where I dreaded the matchup Hmm. going into the game. And it wasn't because they were a certain talent. It was because they were physical and they were tough and they were mean and Hmm. they were really good. And on top of that, Usually, I'm like, oh, I got them between the ears. They were tough, mm-hmm. mentally tough and disciplined. That's that was the difference. Usually, you you don't get that all at the same time, right? Usually, one of those are dropped off, and there's always ways to counter it. There's all, trust me, there's always ways to counter it. But like, you know, like, so like we played, uh, like we played UConn. They were, number, they were ranked number one. We played at their place. I thought we could win that game. Like, we were up by, like, 9 or 10 in the first half on the road at number one in, like, January or February. And it's because I felt that they, like, we were good in places where they struggled in. And I'm like, yo, we can get them here, here, here. With that Indiana team, I just felt that they were so sound. And their weaknesses, they were still average at it. Um. And my boy CJ after the game, no, 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 no. second half, second half, he comes, um, he comes, uh, we we both check out, and I sit down with him, and he goes, bro, that Eric Gordon kid is gonna be real good, and I'm like, and I'm like, and I'm like, what do you mean? He goes. I have never talked so much shit to one kid in my entire life. And all he did was adjust his mouthpiece and score on me like three times in a row. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that was that was such a good team, so underrated. And mm. I've and you know what? It was a team that missed. I think the country missed out on seeing something really, really special with them. Because mm-hmm. um, how good DJ was, you guys had Crawford. Um, Armand Bass, seventeen and one, man. Right? Yeah, Armand, Armand Bass was on, was on the team. team. He was really solid. Like mm-hmm. he, he, he kind of gets over, overlooked. That kid was really, really solid. Like Eric Gordon and DJ White and all those dudes were good, but um, Armand was just real steady. And you know that that team could have been special, really special. And then, um, and then Dockage took over and ran that shit straight into the dirt. So, um, which is which is unfortunate. Really got to play sad. Got to play sad violin music whenever we yeah, talk about the way that season. That ended. team was so. That team was so special, and it sucks because I thought you know, that team could could have won a national championship. One, if mm-hmm. Kelvin Sampson was still there to this day, I think he wins at least one national title there, um, at least one, and you know that would add to your five. You guys have been stuck on five for a long time. Like Michigan has a title before you guys had your last. That's how long it's been for you. It has been a long time since this won a title. So I know it's been a long time for you guys. Um, but this is one of those things where uh, um, the country really missed out on something special with that dynasty. And it's crazy how you see what's going on nowadays, and you would laugh at what Kelvin Sampson was allegedly doing back then um, for something so trivial and small. Um, I think Indiana could have taken a lump for him, you know? I think they could have taken the lump. Hey, you want to give me a show cost for a year or you want to, you know, you know, suspend me for a year, whatever. I think Indiana should have just took the lump and just kept it moving with them. Knowing and seeing what was in front, like Kel- 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 Kelvin Sampson's top three for me, coaches right now, top three, yeah. top three easily. And um, that's one of the best teams he ever put together. Yeah, honestly, and I think I mean, his son is with him. He's grooming yeah. him to be that next coach too. And I'm sitting here like, bro, like, you could have had Kelvin this whole time, and his, and when he leaves, you just drop it off to his kid, and he could keep it going. And man, you could have been good for decades, decades in the way that he can recruit and develop, the way he plays defense, everything that he does is Big Ten esque. Um, and he, man. It's, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I well, love. Now that Kelvin you've depressed Sampson. all of us, Ant. I'm sorry. I love <laughs> Calvin Sampson, and that team in 07, 08 was so freaking good. And the Big Ten knows how good they were, but the country forgets. They have no yes. clue. They don't think about Indiana 07, 08 like Big Ten fans do. Um, but it's truly one of the uh, strangest things to happen seeing a team like that just completely like get get his bottom cut like just completely cut out and um and getting that end result was just just icky it just didn't make you just it's like taking a shower with like really low water pressure (laughs) you know yeah like you almost felt cleaner before you got in like you could really feel the bottom of the shower. You're like, ew, you know what I mean? Just gave me that ick feeling. Like, did that really uh, just happen? So, yes. yeah. I'm sorry for ranting and rambling, but you know that was um. That's I okay. Did. I figured you'd have some interesting insight on that time yeah, in the Big yeah. Ten. So, 
not really a time that we look back on very fondly as uh, as IU fans, and certainly the three years that followed it. Um, but it is it is always interesting to think back to how good that team was because that was clearly a Final Four caliber team, and we just so never got to see easily. it. Come not to fruition. even close. Yeah. So, oh my, oh, oh yep. man. Okay, so let's turn our attention to the Big Ten of today. Um, okay. We're going to talk about the list that you've been putting out. I've got those as graphics here. We're going to put those up there soon. Um, but I want to just start by getting your overview thoughts of the conference, you know, and kind of where it is. And you know, you've seen all the guys that have come and go, you know, this offseason. Yeah. You know, how are you viewing the conference overall in terms of strength? And then as you look at the teams, are there kind of some tiers that have formed for you in terms of who's at the top, who's kind of that next group, and then who's after them? Yeah, so um, going into it, the the bigs, I felt was, was you know going to be a drop off, but after looking at the bigs, they're still not bad. They're still pretty good. You know, there's, um, you know, there are some. You know, you guys know that where I have where. Um, <laughs> oh, that's it's going to come up an, later. <laughs> that's not an indictment on his game. It's just his situation and yeah. where I feel where he is in comparison with everybody else. Um, like he's the most talented player. Um, maybe in the league, in all league, like no matter what position, maybe the most talented. Um, the guards have gotten a lot better. Front courts have gotten a lot better um, compared to last year. And I think that should bode well when it comes to NCAA tournament. Um, when you're looking at, I just want to make sure that I got all the teams. I always go back to, um, I always go back to the standings mm -hmm. just to make sure that I got all the teams. So you have Purdue. I know you guys swept them last year, but they have two freshmen in the backcourt who just got done playing over a thousand minutes. Um, they're, they're going to be a lot better. So they had things to work on over the summer, over the spring. Um, they know why they lost and, you know, Matt Painter's going to have to make some tough decisions on playing time. I believe when it comes to, Guys like Ethan Morton and Mason Gillis, uh, you can't really not play Miles Colvin, and you gotta find out how to get minutes from TKR and or Caleb First, uh, and you can't play Zach Eady thirty five minutes a game again and expect him to last all the way through without any injury. That's just not gonna happen. So they're gonna be a lot better. Um, Northwestern gets Boo Booey back, and they get Langborg, who is a Princeton transfer. It's pretty solid. Uh, Michigan State brings back literally everybody. Uh, Maryland Jameer Young. Then you have Deshaun Harris-Smith, who's a freshman shooting guard. Mm -hmm. I know you guys aren't going to like this either, but my favorite to win freshman player of the year. Uh, mm -hmm. Nothing on Mbako at all, whatever. You know, he's he's going to be an NBA first-rounder, all that fun stuff. But his situation at, at Maryland is very, very good. Um, when you're looking at Illinois, they bring everybody back, but they still lack a point guard. Super weird. Two years in, in a row having elite wings. Don't have a point guard. That part's strange. Um, Iowa with Tony Perkins, eh, we'll see. We'll see if their new freshman, who's like kind of unranked, but he's coming in with Owen Freeman. We'll see if he's like, like like Brock Hardy or Hardy or something like that. He's pretty solid. Uh, Michigan, Doug comes back, but still, I think they're looking for one more big guard. Penn State brings back brings in Ace Baldwin, who's really good. Yeah. Uh, player of the year of the A10, Demarco Dunn. Uh, UNC guy. We'll see how that gels. Brand new team. Um, Rutgers loses some, but still they have Noah Fernandez at the one. Derek Simpson at the two. Um, Wisconsin. Connor Sigian 
is really freaking good. Chucky Hepburn isn't as good as he thinks, but he's really, really important. Um, and they have Max Klesman come coming off the bench, of course. Uh, Nebraska, Kise is the most fun player in, in the league, in my opinion. Ohio State is going to be good. Um, 5-15 and 15 last year, but they had some fluke losses. But I like Bruce Thornton come, coming back for year two, and I like what Roddy Gale showed, especially uh, towards the end. Um, then uh, Tayson, Tayson Chapman, I believe, is a freshman coming in who's really, really good. And then Minnesota should have one of the worst backcourts you've seen all season long um, in the last five years or so. Um, the the, the backcourts are going to be much better this year, and that's going to be good. Another thing, last year, there were too many NCAA tournament caliber teams in the league, and that hurt people. That hurt a lot with seeding. There's a reason why six Big Ten teams were between seeds seven and ten. It's because they had they had so many they had so many losses against other tournament caliber teams that they just like they all put them in that seven ten or eight nine game. It's ridiculous. Out of the eight games, six of them showcased one Big Ten team. Um, and it was because you had – it was literally – it was Purdue and then two through like 12 or 13 were separated by what, two or three games? Yeah, it wasn't much. It doesn't make – it just it just didn't make sense to me. But – there weren't enough teams to beat up on last year. I think you're going to have more teams to beat up on this year. Um, but you need some teams to fall off to get that seating up. But overall, this coming year, it should be another another really, really good year. Game should be really competitive. Um, and so, yeah, it should be good. So with, with Purdue and Michigan State, you know, the prohibitive top two, I think, in any – preseason rankings you look at who who are one or two teams that you like whether it's more than other people or not kind of uh, in that like next wisconsin. tier behind those two i like wisconsin uh, i know it's purdue and michigan state up there but i really like wisconsin um i like what they did in the offseason one they retained who they needed to they went out and somehow went into aj store's house and got him i have no clue how that happened but they went and got aj store Wisconsin's probably the last place I expected AJ Store to go. But they got him now to run the three. That's going to be a really good team with Chucky Hepburn, Connor Sijian, AJ Store, Tyler Wall, and uh, Steve Crow. Very, very good team. Um, I like Maryland. Uh, Akeem Hart left, but um, they have, I believe his name is Jamie Frazier, who's a freshman coming in. Uh, they have Deshaun at the two. And they brought back their one, four, and their five. They have Dante Scott back, who, who is um, a little bit inconsistent, but I, but he can show up as a Big Ten player and an All Big Ten player. Then you have Julian Reese at the five. Uh, I like to call him TJD Light. Um, then you have Jameer Young at the one, who is arguably the best point guard in the conference. Um, you can probably argue like three or four guards up there as number one, and you know he's he's right up there in competition um i like them and i also like just want to make sure that i didn't miss them um one like team ohio missing state. so far I, I like ohio state i like ohio state um they have bruce thornton they have gale 
They got Jamison Battle from Minnesota, which I think is super underrated. Felix Akpara is going to be really, really good, uh, seeing what he did when Zed Key went down. And Zed Key also returns as well. Um, Devin Royals in there, Tayson Chapman's in there. That's going to be a really good team. Uh, those will be my five. And I think Indiana and Illinois are right there at six and seven. Um, we'll see. You know, Illinois is super talented, but they don't have a point guard. So I would have to go with Indiana at six because uh, they are more balanced in terms of, of like depth. Yeah. Uh, but Illinois will be probably seven for me. So safe to say, I mean, you, as you just talked about with Kalel Ware, you know, saying he may be one of the most talented guys in the conference. You know, obviously yeah. you have Xavier Johnson in your top five point guards. You know, so you recognize the talent on Indiana, but you have questions about how it's all going to fit together. And so I want to dive into those um, yeah. because you hit one of those questions in your five bold predictions. And so we've got this up here for the people who are watching. I'll read them real quick for the people who listen on the podcast. So your five bold predictions for the Big Ten. Maryland's Deshaun Harris-Smith will win Big Ten Freshman of the Year, which you already mentioned. Yeah. Iowa's Ben Crickey will finish as a top five center in the Big Ten. That's the transfer from Valpo. Um, two of Maryland, Wisconsin, and Ohio State will finish in the top four, which are the teams that you just mentioned. Felix Akpara starts over Zed Key at Ohio State. And then number five, Indiana won't reach its potential until Mackenzie Mbako plays mostly at the four. Yep. And this has been a big topic of conversation because, you know, a lot of us, when we look at this roster, you know, Xavier Johnson, clearly the most important player is the point guard. But then the other three most talented players are Kalel Ware, Malik Renu, and Mackenzie Mbako. Yeah. With Mbako slated at the three, Renew at the four, and Ware at the five. Yeah. And it is an interesting fit, and we've all kind of been talking about how it's going to go. Um, so break this down for me, and you know, how do you see those three playing together? Because they're certainly going to be on the court together. And if Mbako is playing the four, who then is playing the five? Uh, whoever you want, whether it's Sparks or Ware or even Renew, I think end of the day, I think you're going to see Renew and Mbako at the four and the five a lot. Uh, because they gave you so much versatility on both ends. I think you're going to see Renew shooting the ball a lot more this year. I, I still think think about that three and transition against Bethune-Cookman on the left wing, where he's like running down, catches and shoots it, and it's just so smooth and so easy. That's You could, you could see him shooting like two or three threes a game, honestly, uh, if you really like let him loose. Uh, he didn't do it in Big Ten play because it's a lot different shooting the ball against Bethune than shooting the ball against <laughs> Illinois right? Two yes. big different things, right? Um, the ball's a little bit heavier, right? <laughs> when you're playing against <laughs> Illinois. Um, and then you have, my thing is that you're going to get pressure from two sides, in my opinion. If Malik Renew is playing at a high level and you can't really sit him and you can't sit Mbako, they're just going to slide down in my opinion, if CJ Gunn does what he's supposed to be doing right now, CJ Gunn should demand 25 minutes at the two. Trey Galloway, you have to play him. Just from him being probably one of the biggest glue guys returning. Um, mm -hmm. Ethan Morton is a glue guy, but Ethan Morton doesn't give you much. It's kind of weird. Um, but you have Trey Galloway who can give you scoring. He's athletic. He can guard multiple positions. You can't not play him. You also can't not play X. And then what happens 
if Gabe Cups turns into Jordan Holes 2.0. You can't not play him 15, 18 a game. If that happens, you're going to play three guards. You're going to play more holes, holes, more cups with X, <laughs> more cups with X, and then you're going to go with either Trey or CJ on the wing, and you can't not play Mbako, especially if he's shooting the ball the way that we know he can shoot, get out and transition the way that you know he can get out and transition and use his length. And then at that point, who are you going to play at the five? Is, is it going to be a high-motor guy like Sparks? Is it going to be where, where you know there's a talent, but is he going to help you win this game? Um, is it going to be renewed because you've seen them do so many things? Uh, they they have a lot of options. They have a lot of options, a lot of options. And um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because if someone steps up, that they're automatically going to change the rotation. The positive is when the rotation changes, I think it's going to make more sense down the road because I think it's going to start with Trey and X or CJ and X and then Baco at the three and then renew at the four where at the five I think that's going to be your starting sexy lineup but in the last several minutes it's a one possession game I don't think that group is out there Mm. I just don't think that's the group that you would finish the game with I think you would finish with Baco at the four and it's just a question of who you finish with without the five. Do you want to go with more rim protection or do you want to go with more versatility? And I think that's going to be something that they're going to have to find out in the first several games uh, before they really get into Big Ten play. And that can segue us into talking about your Big Ten center power rankings. Uh, because as you see here, the rankings you have, Edie, Cliff Amori from uh, Rutgers, Julian Reese, Stephen Crowell, and Dane Danger rounding out the top five. Many Indiana fans will be wondering, okay, where's Kalel? Then we've got Pharrell Payne, Terrace Reed, Ben Cricky, and then Kalel Ware at number nine. And as I mentioned yeah. in our banner moment off the top, he's currently projected in mock drafts as number 11 in the NBA draft and number nine in the center power rankings. Yeah, so, absolutely. you know, I'm curious why you, why you decided to put him here. Obviously, the talent is there. You recognize the talent. Yeah. This seems to me to suggest that you don't think the production is really going to take the big step up from last year that a lot of us are expecting slash hoping. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't want to, you know, confuse where you will be, where you, where you're seen as an NBA guy and where you're seen in the big 10. Yeah. Those are two very different things. Um, or else Jed Howard would have been player of the year last year. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, when, when Michigan fans were like not very uh, thrilled at times, um, more times than not, actually. So we have to remove the NBA talk and just look at it and just look at it in a, a vacuum of just Big Ten play and the type of coaching that goes on and the type of schemes that go on and also the opportunity for where and the fact that Indiana has options outside of him. If he were the only option, this would be like if he was at Rutgers and Cliff wasn't, where probably top six, top five, yeah. I put him in there. But I believe in Sparks. I really believe in Sparks, and I believe that they have the size at the four with someone like Renew to take some minutes at the five. Um, I think where his offense is very good. I think he has the potential to be dangerous. 
Um, he played the four, and I believe he played the three in stretches last year. Yeah. Um, they had a ton of was, big guys at Oregon last year. Yeah, when there was um, when they had like Dante in the game and uh, Biddle in the game, like who's the three? It's him. Like he's the one, and he can handle the ball a bit. I'm I'm really um, I'm really interested in seeing how much freedom Woodson is going to give him. Like TJD from looking at TJD, what he did, his freedom this last year. I want to see if they're going to give Kalel that same type of freedom and long leash to say, Hey, you do you. Like I have seen film of Kalel Ware take the ball up the court hit combos, and then shoot a step back three from, like, 27 feet. And it looked really, really good. And then I've seen him get outplayed by Stephen Crow in the, in the NIT. Mm-hmm. So, like, like who, who, are, who are we going to get? Like, I am not questioning his ceiling. He has the highest ceiling of anyone here in terms of pro potential. Um, he is... I've been watching so many of his games and it's, and it's like the whole game, like not his makes, his misses, like the whole game. Like I want to see what he's doing when he doesn't have the ball. What's he doing when he can't get a rebound? What's he doing when he gets boxed out really hard? Does he try to still work for it? Just little things like that. Um, If Woodson can get him to play hard all the time, it's going to change the team. On top of that, is he going to be in shape enough to play hard all the time? If he's playing hard all the time, how many minutes does that translate into? Shondi Brown, a couple years ago for Michigan, right? Dude played so freaking hard, he can only play like 19 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. That's it. And it's because he played hard every single possession and left it all out there. If Ware ends up doing that, what is his stamina like? Is he going to have his body in pristine condition to be able to do the things that he can do? Um, He should be a good rebounder from day one. Um, I want to see, are they going to let him expand his game? Are they going to allow him to face up? Are you going to be in the mid post? Are you going to try to find guys like similar to what TJD did? Um, Trace was so good last year. Because he would catch the ball in the mid post with almost no, with almost no, he would have no interest in scoring. All he wanted to to do was manipulate the the defense so much to get somebody open. Mm-hmm. Or he's going to fake in one spot, knowing if I can move this guy three feet to the left or to the right, Miller's wide open. If I can move this guy a little bit here or there, my guy Huchafino's going to be right there. If I could do this, oh, that's a quick handoff to Trey, and he has a dunk, right? So he manipulated defenses on another level that is not really seen in college anymore. Um, what can Ware do to kind of substitute that? I'm not sure. Um, but just know a big part of him being at nine is that Indiana has options. If they want to play a certain way, they have options if he's not playing well. Um, I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 
the only team where I could see that has other options is Illinois, where they could, where they could play Coleman at the five. Everybody else is going to be the dude. Ben Cricky, I think his only sub is going to be Owen, who's a freshman. Terrace Reed, he's literally the only center in the lineup. Pharrell Payne, the only center, real center in the lineup. Um, Steve Crow, he's got Gus Yaldin, who will be a freshman. Julian Reese, they like they signed a freshman. I think they have Favor Air as well. Favor Air didn't really play much last year. Cliff, I don't even know who his backup is. And Purdue with Zach Eady. I don't know if Will Berg is even eligible. I don't even know if he's healthy. Um, Caleb First, I, I don't know why he's still there. Um, that's my only thing with yeah. where it's nothing really. Isn't it's not about his ceiling or his NBA prospect. Just that there's a lot of cool questions that need to be answered. Yeah, yeah. So what, one thing with him defensively, and this is you know, kind of what a lot of IU fans have looked at with, if you play him and renew together, the, his, while he's got good size, he's slight. And so you look at a lot of these dudes that you've got on here, big, typical big 10 back to the basket type guys. And I think when you look at, if he's the five that's playing with, to go back to the previous point with Mbako at the four opportunity to put Mbako on these guys, he then has to be the one who's guarding these guys in the post. Um, you know, based on what you've looked at, I mean, how much does that play into your concern or your belief that maybe Renew ends up being the guy who gets more of those minutes at the five than fans might think at the point? I mean, I think Ware can handle pretty much anyone, honestly, because what he's seven foot and his wingspan has got to be like what seven five. Yeah. Seven minimum. eight, I think, actually. Yeah, minimum. Yeah, like I don't even know what it is, but just watching film, like, okay, his longs are – he's got to be like at least plus five, plus six, at least. So he's like seven eight. Yeah, so he's fine guarding pretty much anybody. Um, I think he'll be fine playing um, – even Zach Eady, he'll need to be more positional, but he can guard anyone in the conference easily. Um, I'm not really – I'm not too worried about him defensively. Is what I'll say. I'm not worried. Even the guys who are bigger and beefier, I mean, all you need is like a good low center of gravity, and you could make someone not move uh, if you're in if if you're in the right spot. You just got to do your work early, and you just can't get buried under the basket. Or a few of these guys will just turn and just dunk the ball on you. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes more sense now that you've explained it you know, in terms of opportunity and production and the fact that he's got other guys who could take it from him, that makes more sense why you have him where he is. So that's why you need I mean, like like context is huge with me. Yes. And, and making these without context, people get like question marks above their head. Like what the heck is this guy doing? But um, yeah, it's all based on the criteria that you're using, you know, cause yeah. if you were doing most talented centers, he'd be right up there at the top. Yeah, most so. talented. He'd be on. Yeah. Easily. He'd, he'd, he'd yeah. be one. And like there'll be like a different page for everybody else. Like he's he's kind of a one of one in terms of talent, yeah. And potential. No, I mean IU fans are I mean just ecstatic to see him. I mean he's the kind of player that we haven't had, you know. And seeing, I guess that's one other question for you. You know, seeing what Mike Woodson did with Trace Jackson Davis in his two seasons, you know, what does that suggest about what he can do with a guy in Kalel who you know was you know, a big story when he came that, you know, when he was at Oregon, the coach who recruited him left, he just really struggled, gotten Dana Altman's doghouse, 
and just had a rough freshman year, like a lot of, you know, even non-athletes have when they go to college. And so the hope is he comes, he's got a better relationship with Woodson, they're able to connect better, and stuff is unlocked. Do you do you buy that narrative? And based on what you've seen from Woodson, do you think he can pull the best out of him? I think so. I mean, you're talking about someone who is an NBA coach at heart, and you're talking about someone who has, you know, coached and coached against some really talented players. And um also has relationships with other coaches where if he doesn't have the answer, he can make a phone call or two and kind of pick their brain on, Hey, how should I attack this? Or like, Hey, this is going on. You know, is there an example that you went through that worked or did not work? Um, I think it all depends on also who the, who the kid is too. You have to know how to push his buttons. What you did with trace may not work for where, because he, because he, he'll internalize what you say differently. You have to know how to communicate with people, how to teach them, because everyone's different. How you would talk to Ware may be completely opposite than Sparks. Maybe one needs their butt kicked, the other one needs some TLC, right? Yeah. And it's not being solved. It's knowing, it's, knowing who, it's knowing who your players are. Like, if you have kids... One of your kids may respond to this way better. Other kid may respond to this way. Um, the better you know your players, um, the better you're going to be able to coach them. And that's one thing from an NBA standpoint, someone who is, who has been, who you know, coaches guys for over 82 games a year, if they make the playoffs, um, the preseason and got the, all the trainings and stuff and you got all the business meetings and, you know, he should, you know, he should know what makes these guys tick. And, you know, you can get a lot of answers from the, you know, the family, like, Hey, what makes them tick? How can I piss them off without losing them? How can I do this? How can I do that? Um, and then being able to take that and in your way, be able to get the, get the most out of them. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the next list here. This is the point guard power rankings. Mm-hmm. So we've got top five, A.J. Hogard, Boo Booey, Jameer Young, Xavier Johnson, Braden Smith, and then rounding out the rest of the 14, Ace Baldwin, Bruce Thornton, Doug McDaniel, Chucky Hepburn, Tony Perkins, Mike Mitchell, Noah Fernandez, Aaron Euless, and <laughs> Illinois' point guard to be named later, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, all right, so X at four. Talk yep. to me about why you think Hogard, Bowie, and Young are better than him, and does him coming off of injury and kind of just wondering how he'll return, does that make any difference here? Did that factor in? It does a bit. Uh, the fact that he is in the top five still just shows me, just shows how much respect I have for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think from a, you know, Jameer Young really proved in year one, that rarely happens for a guard to come into the Big Ten as a transfer yeah. and impact as much as he did, I think in year two, he's going to be even more dangerous. Boo Booey coming back for a fifth year or sixth year, I don't even know, but he's probably the biggest killer among any of these guys. You know, he can go off for like 30, 40 on any given night. Um, and he and he put Northwestern on their back. Adige was there too as Robin, but Boo was Batman. And being able to take Northwestern to their – what second NCAA tournament ever and get another win. And like they played UCLA down to the wire, very good two seed in UCLA. Yeah. Um, 
then I think AJ Hogard, in terms of being a two-way player, um, is the best in the conference. Uh, nobody guards as many guys like him on the perimeter. Like one game, he's guarding Chris Murray. Next game, he's having to guard. You know, I I remember a year ago he had, he had to guard Johnny Davis and he had to guard um, you know Jay Nivey. Then he would have to guard Keegan. Like he has to guard so many different players at the one, two, three, and four. Whoever's the the best score on that opposing team, he's going to guard if they're on the perimeter. And he takes pride in that. Then offensively, he just sets the table so well. He does have his games where he'll have a complete stinker to college who doesn't. But um, for someone who can impact the game on such a high level on both ends, being able to go down and you know hit you with 10 dimes and one turnover, then on the other end, stop your best player from scoring and give them trouble. Like what he did with Bryce Sensabaugh this year, um, you know, guarding him and strapping him up, someone who was very, very good this year, and um, especially when he had to guard him, was very, very good, uh, having to guard him and give him problems. And then he had to switch on to Thornton when Thornton was giving them issues, and then Roddy Gale goes off because then AJ had to leave Roddy. <laughs> so, um, you know, in terms of being a, a complete guard, um, AJ is above everybody. Um, I do like X. You know, he did sit out a lot last year. Um, but when he went down, you guys didn't have a point guard. Jalen Huchifino is not, is not a point guard. He was a combo guard thrown into the fire. And good on Mike for really just saying, I'm not going to put you out the fire. Like, you're going to stay here. You're going to burn, and you're going to learn right now. Because it's not about now. It's about who you're going to be in February. And it paid off 30-fold. That dude was amazing. He was so good. Um, but but I just think that Xavier, super quick, possibly one of the quickest lateral guys in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see how that is with this with his foot. I'm not saying it's still hurt, but there are questions there. Um, and you know, this can change after the first couple games. But in terms of right now, um, I feel very comfortable with the list. If anything, I would have Ace Baldwin at five and Braden down at five or Braden down at maybe six or seven. But outside of that, um, it's uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty solid with this. Yeah, I mean, this feels like both at the top, but also really even getting into the you know second column of what you've got here, even down into the, you know, eight, nine range. This I know you haven't released the, the last two positions, but just assessing the league, this feels like the deepest position. Uh, would you agree with that uh, assessment based on what you looked at so far? Um, I think center. I think center's a bit deeper. Or it's not shooting deep. guard, that's for sure. Said, as deep, no, not shooting guard. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Not shooting guard. Um, I would say I would say the point guard, point guard and center is about even for me. Um, I struggled with Tony Perkins, honestly. Uh, he feels like, um, like it's like some games, man, you feel like he's top five. Then other times I'm like, yo, uh, yeah, we experienced one of those last year. We're, we're yes. well, we're well aware. <laughs> I really struggled with Tony Perk Perkins. Uh, I really wanted to put him above Chucky and maybe even Doug. Um, but he's, you can't be that inconsistent as a guard. And this would be a big year for him. Big year for him. He could play at the two. So this could be wrong. 
he could play more two. DeSante Bowen could play more one, or the true freshman can just wow people, come in and play more one and move him off the ball, get be in more scoring slots along with um, guys like Sanford and helping Cricky down low and Pat McCaffrey. Now that they no longer have a Murray twin, they're going to need more of a more of a uh, scoring punch. So, so yeah, yeah, I'm pretty solid with it. One question. So we'll go to shooting guard. You haven't done the small forward and power forward yet. So we're not going to get to have those not tonight. done small forward, have not done power forward, and I have not done a full shooting guard ranking. I've just done the top five. Top five. Yeah. I want to go back to the centers real quick. You okay. had Sissoko on there from Michigan State, but you don't yeah. have Xavier Booker, who obviously no. Indiana fans are very interested in because he's from the state. What are you expecting from Booker this year at Michigan State? Not much. Yeah. Um, Another kid who's super talented, um, but to play for Izzo, you, you need to check some boxes. Um, I don't know if he's going to check those boxes in year one. You got to have a high motor. You got to rebound the ball. You got to be a tough SOB. Um, and you're a freshman, and Izzo is not just is not going to play you just to play you. And Izzo, I've seen him be, get very comfortable with having more of a carousel at the five in like a center by committee more than having a feature center. Um, so like last year, like in the, in the NCAA tournament, he played, uh, he played about like 20 minutes a game, something like that. And he played the, it was a, uh, played uh, Carson Cooper who they meant to redshirt coming into this year um, played him uh, like around like 13, 14, a game. And I'm sitting here like, okay, if Booker comes into this, I don't see the impact right away, especially from a defensive standpoint. If he's at the five, um, are you going to give up? solid rebounding and rim defensive play from Maddie or someone like Carson are going to give up the offense with someone like Kohler. Uh, I think someone like Cohen Carr could possibly play some five with how explosive he is um, and how much of a matchup problem that could be and how much he'll be, he'll be able to hold his own against guys. So, uh, I think Xavier is going to be, you know, he's he's going to be there at least at least two years. It's not like a one and done deal, in my opinion. I think a lot of people are expecting him to be a one and done and start and play third thirty minutes. If you've if you've watched Michigan State, that just doesn't really make sense. That doesn't make that that doesn't really make sense at all. Um, when, when someone like Jaron Jackson was thinking about coming back, did you know how many minutes Jaron played at Michigan State? Mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson, top five pick. He played, I think, around like you can stat check me if you want. Like, is he played around eighteen or nineteen minutes a game? Yeah, that makes sense. That's yeah. It. I was gonna so say low twenties, so that minutes. seems right. Yeah. So if he's playing eighteen or nineteen minutes, what's it look like in a four big man rotation for Booker, who is not going to be a top five pick next year? Yeah. So not. I'm not trying to bash the kid, but. I'm just trying to be as like, you know, give as much context as possible, just with how Izzo is, how his rotations at the big man have been, 
and kind of where Booker is. Um, yeah, like, you know, it's gonna take some. It's gonna take some time and gonna have some uh, growing pains as well. You know, Carr is twenty one point eight was the uh, minutes for Jaron Jackson. Twenty one point eight. Twenty one point eight. Okay. What was it in Big Ten play? Yeah, it was probably closer uh, to what you said. I would uh, I'll have to uh, hang on. Uh, I'll tell you just a second. Uh, Big Ten play. It was twenty two point two. So actually, pretty similar. Okay. Surprisingly, what did he play in the tournament? Syracuse, you play like 13 minutes. Oh, this is really, you're asking a lot for me to really <laughs> look at this man. on the fly. I'm sorry. I, uh, I'm sorry. I just don't. <laughs> I'll, I'll let Jared go to the next question. I'll, it may take me additional time to navigate to the game log, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure well, like, it out. We're, we're like splitting hairs. Yeah. It's yeah. like around this, you know, 20 yeah, minutes. It was yeah, around, I mean, around 20 minutes. It's, it's certainly not extensive by any stretch yeah, when yeah. you yeah. look at minutes other guys are playing. It's not sure. like Trace last year playing 38, 39, 40 minutes every right. game. That's, that's not going to happen. Um, you mentioned Cohen Carr. He's an interesting one to me because Indiana was in heavy with him, you know, kind of decided not to push for him. He goes to Michigan State. Uh, now Indiana has Mbako. You probably don't get Mbako if you have Carr. Right. I'm curious who you think is going to be more impactful as a, as a freshman, Carr or Mbako? Because I love both those guys. If I, there's something about Carr I just love. Um, more impactful. Yeah. Um, if Mbako's at the four, Mbako. Yeah. If Mbako's at the three, I'll go with Carr. Okay. I'm going to have – also, I'm going to have Mbako at the three for my rankings. Yeah. And that's – That's but where he projects to get the most minutes, I mean, just based on the roster. Yeah. Yeah. And But you want to make sure that – like, would you – do you want to play Mbako 32 minutes – and most of that at the three, or would you rather be a better team and play them 25 minutes with most of that at the four? That's a good question. I think you, would, you, know, you would much rather be a better team, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you'd rather be a better team for sure. Right, but at the same time, you want to see your guy go off. You want to see your guy mm -hmm. hoop, and you don't want what happens with Mbako to kind of hurt you down the road with other yes. top prospects too. Um, but if you could have your cake and eat it too, by like playing him just enough while not hurting the team, I think it would be good. Yeah. Uh, final, final Jaron Jackson update here, and then I'm closing this window so that we can we can move ah. on. He played 15 minutes against Syracuse, and if you look at the last 10 games of the season, he only played over 20 minutes three times in the last 10. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, that see, it wasn't where he gradually like grew into a much larger role. Yeah. It was it kind of fluctuated a lot. There was a stretch of big 10 play where we played 30 minutes back-to-back -back games. And that was kind of the high watermark. Can I answer and, uh, one of these YouTube comments? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Absolutely. From Kent Davis. Yes. Kent Davis. Kent. The car can't shoot. He can only dunk. Kent, you watch the highlights. That's what you will get from it. If you watch the games, you will see someone who can go from the three point line to finishing at the rim in one dribble. I see someone in transition who will be a menace. I see someone who can rebound at a high level from day one. Yeah. That's what I see. And I see a jump shot that I don't think is going to be great, but I think in due time it's going to be respectable because he doesn't have 
he doesn't have a terrible he doesn't have a terrible he 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 doesn't have terrible form he doesn't have terrible form troy williams is the guy who comes to mind a lot for me when i watch him not a perfect comp but just athletic troy williams from played at Indiana back. Troy, Troy's, Troy, Troy's a bit more polished. Yeah. Um, a bit more polished, but I just think Carr from a trans a translation standpoint, what he needs to do, he's gonna be really good at day one. Rebounding, his first step, playing around the rim. If he does those three things, Izzo is gonna play him a lot. Yeah. And Carr's going to be on the bench, and Izzo's going to wonder. As soon as something bad happens, he's 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 going to put him right back in the game. <laughs> so I just think that Izzo is going to demand something. What Izzo demands, Carr, Carr naturally, those are his best attributes, in my opinion, yeah. to really just like kind of double down on. Like, hey, I need a rebound. Go out there and play tough. I think Cohen Carr can go out and do that day one. Yeah. Like day one. Day yeah, one. no, he seems like a good fit there for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk shooting guards here. You have your top five. It doesn't go uh, beyond that, but it's Tyson Walker, Terrence Shannon, Connor Asijan, Fletcher Lawyer, and Derek Simpson. Uh, obviously, Troy Galloway, not on there. Um, talk to me about these five and why you have them, and where do you think Trey is eventually going to fit kind of when you go all the way out to 14? Tyson Walker and Terrence Shannon – interchangeable yeah they could have gone either way um i like terrence shannon but i think he's out of position i think he's much better when playing with two guards um not being not have one guard or no guards (laughs) so i think that (laughs) does hurt him um because he's much better as being created for not being the creator um i think talent wise i think he's better than tyson for sure but in terms of um being efficient and being that dude for your team to go out there and make big shots and be consistent, uh, creating for or being created for or creating for others. Uh, I think Tyson has that. Um, Connor Sigian is uh, that dude is dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be someone who can, man, man, if, if he was like six, six, he'd be a pro. He moves off the ball as well as anyone I've seen in the conference in a long time. So good. He stays up there too. Um, But in terms of, yes, yes. That is a huge skill that a lot of people don't have. Um, Not even Fletcher has that in terms of, because like Fletcher, he just goes to that curling action a lot. But Connor will get off his shot, whether it's flares, curls, um, reading screens, and his shot is so quick. And he's... Mm -hmm not hesitant to get downhill, get to the cup and, you know, get dirty. And um, he's an overall killer uh, and they're going to need him to score next year. I think Chucky should shoot the ball less and give those shots to shots to Connor. Uh, Fletcher. I think that in, in year two, uh, someone like that, who was able to come in in year one, play as well as he played. um, uh, He got figured out at the end. So did Braden at the end, but a lot of that was, uh, you know, teams had to kind of get around like, Oh, we should pressure them. Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) I got it now. Okay, great. Thanks. Um, when, 
when he struggled, he really struggled. When Purdue struggled in the NCAA tournament against that FDU team, uh, you know, he was one of the only ones who was still shooting, shooting the shot. I think him getting stronger, him getting better going downhill to the basket is just going to open up his game a lot more. Uh, and he's going to have a lot more scoring opportunities this year because I don't think Edie is going to play as much. I don't see him playing 32, whatever he played last year. Edie needs to play about 25, 26, because they're going to need him uh, to not be hurt and play all the way through. Um, Derek Simpson, Paul Mulcahy, and Cam Spencer left. Yeah. You have a huge opportunity there. You're going to be the guy. He was the guy for them in the last several games, and I, I kind of see that going forward. Uh, Noah Fernandez does shoot threes and, and all that stuff, but Noah also averaged around five assists, so he's going to be more of a table setter. Uh, Gavin Griffiths is going to come in and play more three and four. Um, just just think Derek is going to be one of the only ones to like be given the ball and be put in that Geo Baker role where you're going to have to go out there and you know, make some offense happen. Go get us some points. Um, but overall, you know, the, the shooting guard spot is probably one of the weaker um, and one of the ones where uh, you see a lot more role players in this spot than your top two options. Um, I do like Trey. Uh, do like CJ as well. Uh, we'll see what happens with CJ this year, you know, hearing some good things. Uh, if they're if he's going to start, that'd be cool. Um, but uh, I do like Trey. I do like Trey as well. But when it comes to, like, actual production, um, you know, he would be probably, like, probably middle tier on this list. Mm-hmm. When you look at this Indiana team, and obviously everybody has high hopes for CJ, but, you know, not quite sure what to expect. I mean, given, you know, how little he produced last year, um, a lot of the offseason reports have been positive. Uh, and as we talked about on this show numerous times, I don't put much stock into his shooting percentage last year. He's a freshman, inconsistent minutes, you know, small sample size, and he has a track record of being a shooter. Do you look at this as, you know, kind of the the best outcome for Indiana is – you know, he emerges, becomes a key player who can play, like you said earlier, 25 minutes. You've got him, uh, you got X, and then, you know, put Trey at the three, and then you're playing Mbako with either Malik or, or Kalel or whoever at the center. Um, yes. It's a, you, it's, a, it's a guard's game. Yeah. Mbako was not a guard. Maybe at the next level, but in college, he is the perfect four. Perfect. Perfect four. Um, he's going to have a matchup that is going to be good for him on both ends of the floor. Like, how good was Keegan Murray at the four? Right? How good was EJ Liddell at the four in this league? Yeah. Well, they didn't put him at the three, really. Like, they put those cats, they put him at the four, and that's when they went nuts. Think about Iowa's best teams. Like, like their, their best lineup two years, not last year, but the year before. How good was that lineup when they went with Pat, Keegan, and Chris at the at the uh, three, four, and five? Yeah. You got three wings down there just just making life hell. Who, who does who does your center guard? You know? And then whoever your center guards, now you got your six four wing guarding either Chris or Keegan or Pat and Keegan or like like how are you and then they're gonna run so much BS that you're gonna get a bad switch somewhere. And you're gonna have a like a little short guy guarding Chris Murray in the post. It's it's over. 
at that point. So I think him at the four, it just makes it makes so much sense. And he's not someone where you're going to pass him the ball and come off pick and roll and make make the reads and do do all those things. I just I just don't I just don't see that. I just see him just demolishing everyone at the four spot. Mm. Yeah. So how much so how much do you think going back to the the shooting guards for a second? I mean, I know you talked about this. We've you know, coach on our show has echoed this multiple times about it being a guards game. And so you look at those shooting guards and you're kind of like all right, what does this mean for this team, you know, for this league again? So, you know, spin forward the narrative of why did the Big Ten not do well in the NCAA tournament, um, you know, kind of feels like looking ahead, that might again be their undoing. Do you think that is, a, is something we end up talking about in March again, or, or do you think maybe they can overcome some of the lack of uh, dynamism at that at that position? Purdue didn't do good in the NCAA tournament. I think the Big Ten did okay. Yeah, I think that's. I think it's hard, especially when you said what you brought up earlier with so many teams being seated in positions where they seven, really weren't favored seven, to win. Ten, exactly. Yeah. So, hundred yeah, percent. They went four and two in coin flip games. Four and two, right? And then Michigan State was the one team to beat the two seed, but Penn State Texas was a really close game. Mm-hmm. Northwestern and UCLA was a really close game. Right, and but then you have Maryland who had a they ran up against a buzzsaw in Alabama, and then you have uh, you have um, you know, Iowa lost that game to Auburn because Fran is Fran, but you have an Illinois team who had to play. <laughs> I told <laughs> Illinois fans, I gave them like three teams they want to avoid. One of those was Arkansas, and of course they pull Arkansas first. And I didn't like that matchup because Illinois didn't have good guards. Arkansas has two pros at the guard spot, possibly three with like Ricky Council. So I was like, you don't want this matchup. Cause and then then they got the matchup. Then even if they had won that miraculously, now you gotta go play Kansas. So <laughs> I think the Big Ten did okay. They did okay. Um, even Indiana was fine. Like, you got this far without a guard, with, without a point guard, I'm sorry. Um, and then you play Nigel Pack and Isaiah Wong. I mean, giving context, it's not as bad. Purdue completely ruined the conference again, so. Yeah, I, I guess I mean more probably probably better said. I mean, all, always great to bring that up on here for sure. But I I, I guess better said uh, in in terms of you know not advancing a lot of teams deep in the tournament maybe is a better yeah. way to say it. I mean, do you think the level of while the level of point guard play probably is good enough to do that, the shooting guard the the gap between those feels pretty wide. And so, how much do you think that hinders what we might see Big Ten teams do from a you know, making an elite eight run or, or maybe getting the team to final four or something like that. Do you think that ends up being the potential undoing at least sitting here now in the, you know, end of June? Uh, does that feel it, like it what, what could be matchup. the narrative again? It, it all comes down to matchups. It all comes down to matchups and what you're able to do. Um, if you're looking at like, look at that UConn team, they blew out pretty much everybody. Their biggest flaws, they couldn't get exposed they didn't get exposed with 
Um, they didn't have a they really didn't have a point guard themselves, mm-hmm. but they didn't play a team that could have exposed them. That was the biggest thing. Um, when when you have when you have a conference like the Big Ten that is so well coached, top to bottom, it is so hard and it cannibalizes itself because you you can't go out and get any real easy wins, unfortunately. And some of those easy wins, like I said earlier, you need some bad teams at the bottom. Like the ACC just had Florida State, Louisville, like another team that won like, what, like eight total ACC mm-hmm. games. They didn't – no, Big Ten didn't have that. They had one in Minnesota. I'm not counting Ohio State because that was, uh, in my opinion, an NCAA tournament roster. Yeah. And if you look at some of those games, like they lost so many games within like one or two possessions. Like they were right there. Um, and then Nebraska ended up beating people the second half of the season, yeah, and so they Nebraska weren't easy. Nebraska <laughs> started, started doing crazy things too, and – they didn't have enough bad teams. They didn't have enough bad teams. The league needs like two or three Minnesotas every single year. So those seven teams that go to the NCAA tournament, three or four of them are in the top six, not just one or two. They need like one or two, two seeds, a couple, four or five seeds. Now the chances of going to a second weekend are much higher. Um, and then you may even get a little upset, right? Are you able to go, if you're like a three or four seed, like do you play now an 11 or like a 13 or 14 in that second game? Like are you – like how good is Indiana feeling right now if they had to play whoever um, Miami beat in their first round? Like how – it's a little bit – it's a little bit – it's a tad bit different. If you look at how the Purdue region kind of came to came out, it was what like FAU, Kansas State, Michigan State, and who who else? Marquette was I it? Think. Yeah, and then like the year before, no, was, I think it was Tennessee. Was it Tennessee? Marquette oh. was, was who played Tennessee? Michigan. Who lost to Michigan State? Right. FAU beat Tennessee, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the Elite Eight, or that was, yeah, that was one side of the Michigan State. That was the Sweet 16. was the other state. Other side, yeah. Something, something. Because because Tennessee beat Duke in the round of 32. Yep. Um, Yeah. But even the year prior, like, you had Purdue was in the Sweet 16 against St. Peter's. Like, if you're Purdue, like, you just got tossed the biggest meatball of all time. But then you fold. Again, because that's just what you do. Then before that, they get fed North Texas and Indiana, and they lose. I don't understand. I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, they do. Yeah. I mean, you really got off to a slow start with the you know, rehashing the Kelvin Sampson, but the last few minutes of really rehashing these uh, these Purdue losses, you're really it ramping up and yourself to the fan base. So excellent, excellent work. <laughs> it makes me mad because when I'm trying to defend the Big Ten. Other conferences bring up Purdue. They bring mm-hmm. up St. Peter's. They bring up all these. So now I'm getting just I'm getting like I'm getting destroyed because I'm trying to back up the conference with context and all these things. And they're sending me pictures of like St. Peter's celebrating and all these things and like Jaden Ivy like crying. I'm like, 
I was like, I'm like, I'm like, this guy thinks they own me when that's not even what this is about right now. So, <laughs> yeah, it's tough. What are your couple more questions here before we wrap up, man? I really appreciate your time. This has been a, a fun conversation. Um, Mike Woodson, overall, just your thoughts on his tenure so far, uh, you know, both, you know, on the coach or, or on the floor, X's and O's, and then what he's doing as a recruiter. Because I think one of the things that Indiana fans have really noticed or felt is it feels like there's been a sea change recruiting wise. You know, where Indiana's now, you look at the 24 and 25 kids. I mean, they're getting official visits from all kinds of top 20, you know, top 30 guys that we haven't had in a while. Um, Tom you know, Crean got some guys. He did. Um, he, he did not consistently, guys. but he did there yeah. for a while. Yeah. Um, um, but, but I guess, but that's the question, you know, it, it feels like things are kind of better and in a better, you know, direction with Woodson, but also it's still just his third year. And so, you know, so I'm just curious he, from kind of an outsider's perspective, how you're viewing there's his an, so far. There's, there's an excitement. There's an excitement. And I think that goes hand in hand with where the, with where the program is, where they have expectations, you know, like me having them at seven is not a slight on them. It's more so on, hey, you have these new pieces figured out um, more than anything else. And I go and look at the five teams or six, yeah, the five a- ahead of them. Well, I have Indian at six. So the five teams ahead of them, they've brought back their core, right? Indiana lost JHS. They lost TJD, right? Mm-hmm. They lost their two horses, how are you going to respond to that is the biggest thing. And still having excitement about the program, I think bodes really well. At the same time, we know fans can run sick and tired really, really quickly. So I think that you have to have some patience. I think he's done an outstanding job. Um, getting them back to the tournament, back-to-back years, um, is great. but. Indiana needs another Final Four. Maybe if if you don't win the national championship, I get it. It's hard. Go win four games in the NCAA tournament. Go win four games. Go win four games. Get back to a Final Four. And then at that point in time, whatever happens, happens. Um, I think that's what Indiana fans, like, 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 feel that they need. They need to see. Like, Indiana needs a Final Four. Probably just as much as Purdue needs a Final Four <laughs> or beat a double-digit seed, whichever one comes first. Some of us uh, at least have, you know, relatively recent memories of a Final Four. It was yeah, 2002, yeah. but... 2002. It was, it was did you guys lose ago, that Maryland team? Lost that Maryland team? Yes, we did. Yep. That Maryland yep. team was really good, though. They were. They're like Steve Blake, Juan Dixon, Terrence Morris. That team. Yeah. Will Chris Cox Wilcox. Yep. We'll Lonnie Baxter, on see on that team too. Lonnie, yeah. hey, that was that was a really good team, man. Um, but I will say, um, he's done a really good job. He's put the he's put the energy back into the program. Fans are looking forward to the success, not to the season. I think those are two very different things. You're not excited about basketball coming. You're excited about your team. Hey, let's see how we compete this year. Let's see if let's see we we can get in that top four in the league. Let's see if we can get that again, right? And then let's see what happens from there. Um, who's going to come out and be all Big Ten? 
are we going to be able to, you know, sweep Purdue again? Like, like these are legit things where before it, it, it was, hey, let's not get embarrassed or, hey, let's, let's try to get to 500. That's not what this team's about. I think this team's about competing for a Big Ten championship um, and nothing less. I think they believe that they can win a Big Ten championship. And I think that's more important than anything else. Some teams go into to the year, man, hope we get to 20 wins. I hope we get to the tournament. I think Indiana feels that they, they can go out. Going to the tournament is not some accomplishment anymore, right? Yeah, we're past that. It's, hey, can we go out there and hang a Big Ten banner once again? Can we do that? It's been once since, since what, 2016 or 2013? Yeah, one in 2013 and 2016, but not since. Okay. So having, having yeah, so 16, so about like, like seven, eight years. So mm-hmm. um, you've got, you've got the talent to, to kind of get back to that. You have one, you have NBA players and you have a really good point guard. Um, that's a really good formula, especially in the big Ten. If you have NBA type talent and you have a point guard that you can really like allowed to just carry you through like what he did at Xavier last year in that game on the road. Yeah. He had a couple hiccups at the end, but he had some game winning plays that you just can't take away. Um, hopefully one of the freshmen come in. Um, how's Ja'Kai doing? Have you heard of him? You know, he's not, he's, he's not going full speed in practice. He's not okay. scrimmaging and doing a lot of that stuff. They're trying to be cautious with the meniscus. So okay. no one's quite sure yet, you know, what his role gotcha. is going to be, or even if he's going to redshirt, it's still up in the air. Gotcha. When he's ready to go, that's going to be one of the more exciting players in the league. He's going to be ridiculous just from an athletic standpoint, man. He can, he can go, he, he can go. Um, But you, you, you have the pieces and that's what you like. You have depth. That's what you like. Uh, you have someone in Gabe cups who I believe, can work his way into the rotation and play 15, 18 minutes if need be. Um, you have shooting guards. You need Trey or CJ to really come out of their shell. Um, you need Renew to take another step forward because he's got the talent. You need Sparks to be everything he can be and play 15, 20, maybe 25 if need be. Um, if someone gets hurt or foul trouble or he's just not in the game, um, got options everywhere, options everywhere. And that's all you can really hope for at this point. And just hope that everybody stays healthy. But, um, but, but Mike Woodson and Wood three in year three, um, really, really, uh, he's been a good addition to, to the league. He's been a good addition to the league. He's, he's made the big 10 better. Um, He's made other coaches better. He's bringing more talent in, and I, I think that's, I think that's a big piece to it as well. You know, when when Indiana is good, the league is pretty healthy. So, it, w- yeah. one guy who I know there are a couple questions in the chat about that we haven't talked too much about, and maybe is a, a benefactor if Mabako plays a little bit more of the four. Um, but is Caleb Banks, who I think a lot of IU fans are excited about, showed oh. a few flashes. Zio, uh, kind of energy guy off the bench in a few minutes here and there. What's you know, kind of quick thoughts on on him as um, you know, one of the one of the guys coming back that you haven't haven't mentioned uh, so far. Whenever he played, he gave one ten. Whenever he played, he gave one ten. 
you have to find minutes for him. Um, I'm not sure where that's going to be. Um, if he's able to shoot the ball, okay, if he can shoot the ball and defend. If he just sees himself as like, hey, a 3 and D guy, the high motor, um, maybe he can add some depth to the three, um, especially if he's hitting the shots. Maybe him and Mbako could play like a combo forward position. Uh, one plays one on one end, the other plays the other on the other end. Um, but that's someone else who you who you who you gotta play, man. Man, I feel like some games he came in and the whole and the whole momentum just switched, just from his energy. Like he'll go and he'll have like a big time putback and one everyone's yelling for him, screaming for him. On the other end, he'll get a block or he'll get a charge call or he'll get a deflection and he'll pump the crowd up and everyone's ready to go. Next thing you know, it goes from being it goes from being a game where, you know, it's like like uh like it feels like a bit stagnant, feels a bit stagnant. Uh, but he just lights a fire under everyone under everyone and i could tell the guys love playing with him and but it's gonna be tough to tough to find minutes um and it sucks for guys like that it sucks for guys like that who you know will be a positive they're not the sexy guy who's gonna come in and make all these cool moves and you know fade away jumpers swish go down and you know slap the floor and have little like cool shuffles he's not that guy like he's gonna dive on the floor he's he's gonna like he will flip backwards 10 times to get a loose ball you have to find minutes for those guys um and you have to um you have to find minutes but but also meaningful minutes don't just put him in just because you feel like you have to but put him in like a, a decent rotation where he's out there for six minutes seven minutes at a time not like two or three here and there he can't even get his own rhythm, but uh, you got to find time for that type of guy. You have to. He's not just some dude who can come in and make shots. He's someone who's going to do all the little the the little things. You know, he's someone who doesn't care about scoring. If he scares, if he scores, that's cool. If he gets a rebound, that's cool. All he cares about is winning a possession, whether that's on offense or on defense. When you have guys who only care about getting stops and the team scoring. Those are winners. Those are guys that you have to find time for. But I'm not the one to make those decisions. <laughs> Thank goodness. Last question for you, Ant. Really enjoyed this yeah. conversation, man. Um, and I want to bring our conversation full circle. So we started out talking about Kelvin Sampson. And Indiana fans often lament the fact that Indiana passed on John Beeline to hire Kelvin Sampson. And what would that have been like if Indiana had had John Beeline and could Indiana have had the success that he had at Michigan? You played for John Beeline. And so I'd just love to know kind of your experience playing for him and if there's a story that kind of sums up what he was like as a coach. Because he's a guy Indiana fans always admired from afar for obvious reasons. Um. Like, he's super smart. I, I don't think anyone watches film as much as him. And I think that's why I could watch the film the way that I watch it is because I took so many things away from him. Um, something as small as, you know, I remember, you know, my first year under him and you know, we're watching film 
and you know he has the two guard offense, right? It's like a Princeton on steroids with a bunch of counters, right? And he broke down he he broke it down to the point where if you pivot with the wrong foot, you will mess up the play because the defense will jam you. Something that little, right? So I took that and I started applying that to everything in basketball where I looked at the game a different way. So people, when they're watching the game, they watch like, oh, they're going to, okay, come on, make make the shot, make the shot. I'm looking at the off-ball guy setting a screen to see if he just messed up the play or I'm looking at the off-ball guy, I'm looking at the defender, I'm looking at the screen coming and I'm looking at, are they going to go over or under? I'm, I know exactly what the dude shoots from three. Well, not exactly, but roughly in the last five, how he's been from three. And I'm going to, and if he goes under, I'm going to go, oops. <laughs> or if he goes over, I'm like, oh, he's good. Then I'm going to see is the big man. Is, is he going to go flat? Are they going to blitz it? Are they going to drop? What are they going to do? And then I'm looking at when the shot goes up, I'm looking at, are the wings crashing? Is anyone getting back? Like, really, like, I don't know. Like, it's, uh, uh, and then it's fun. That's live, right? Then it's fun going back, remembering a play, and then microanalyzing it even more based off of what I already saw the first time. And there will be something that I either missed or something that I was, like, wrong on. Um, And that's always fun. And then if it's something really cool, I'll break it down and I'll post it on Twitter. Like, hey, check this out. This is what I saw in this game. This is why it was cool. This is why it wasn't. Like, there's no content in July, really. Like, one of my goals is to, like, go back and watch a few games from around the Big Ten and break down some sequences and post them and just see how people take it in. So, watching film. John Beeline, um, that's, you know, that's one thing that, you know, that has stuck with me uh, forever, just the way that I consume the game. Um, It's not, the game isn't black and white. And I think a lot of time the game is discussed in black and white when there's so, when there's really a bunch of gray. It's a bunch of gray and things have happened for a reason. Certain plays happen for a reason. Um, I remember watching one game where a play didn't make sense at all, but then they came back the next possession, ran a similar play just like it and scored. And I go, they only ran that first play to see how they were switching a certain action. Hmm. And then they came back and ran something else that featured that same action. And they got like an easy bucket off of it. And I'm just like, okay, that's just gorgeous. That's, that's beautiful basketball. But the way that, I consume the game um, is because of him, because he's so X's and O savvy, um, and he just understands little things, you know. So nothing crazy. Well, that kind of insight is why you're such a good follow on Twitter at it's Ant Right on Twitter. You post a lot of film breakdowns on there. Where should everybody else be going to connect with you and your Big Ten talk? Um, I'm it's it's it right everywhere, whether it's on TikTok, YouTube, uh, Twitter. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I, I do have an Indiana site. It's called Hoosier Illustrated. Yeah. Um, as well. So 
uh, ran by Alec Lass, lastly, real good yeah, guy. Those guys do a good job. Yeah, real good guy. So we launched that a few months ago. He's done an outstanding job for us, and you know we're just keeping him moving, keeping him moving. Greg in the chat asked for a State of the Union from Ant on Michigan. I would say just follow Ant's content and his uh, his social media state content. Of the union. You'll get constant State of the Unions on Michigan. <laughs> they need a big guard. There's my State of the Union. Yes. They need a big guard, or they're going to be bottom six in the league Boy. easily. Easily. It's amazing how also, fast stuff changes. Yeah, also, my my guy Kent said he lives in Georgia and knows Cohen Carr. You, dude, I have argued with family members about their about their kid before, <laughs> and, and I was right every single time, every single time. So I don't care if it's you, Cohen Carr. I'm right. <laughs> I'm right, and I say that in the most arrogant way because I've argued with agents, I've argued with college basketball coaches about players. I'm like, look, this is what's gonna happen, and I'm like. Like ninety eight for like ninety nine. Who'd you miss on? Brandon Johns. Oh, but my excuse, my excuse, is um, John Beeline left after his freshman year. Oh yeah, well that'll make a difference. That'll make a big difference. When I'm look, looking at who who he's put in the league, I'm like, okay, he put DJ Wilson in the league. The top 20 pick. Brandon's got more juice than he does. So I'm thinking, okay, like that's yeah, easy. Mm-hmm. You talk to trainers from Indiana, they they feel this the same way too. Yeah. They feel the same way too. So they feel that, you know, he was he was uh he was always a pro. But yeah, that was like my one big, that was like my one miss. Um that was my one big miss. But but it's all good though. It's all good. It's all good. I'm excited about Cohen Carr, though. I think he's he's going to be able to rebound at a high level, um, and he should, and you know he should be good around the rim. I don't know how much of a scorer, but in terms of just being someone that you know Izzo can really rely on as a freshman in year one, he's going to impact games. Yeah, for sure. Especially if Malik Hall is still a bit inconsistent. We'll see because he had the foot injury. To yeah. see if he can really stay healthy this year. If he can do that, um, you know, uh, I still think Carr is going to still find a way to play 15 plus a game because yeah. he just provides so much strength, power, toughness, and athleticism. Yeah. Well, Ant, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. This has been a fun conversation. Check them out at It's Ant Right. Check out their site, Hoosier, uh, Hoosier Illustrated, right? Is it Hoosier Illustrated? Hoosier Illustrated, yeah. Yeah, I've got about 16 different websites for colleges. I got one NFL site. Um, but Indiana is – I got one for just HoosierIllustrated.com. Yeah. Hoosier Check those guys out. They do a good job. And let's get you back on here again soon, man. Really appreciate it. Always fun talking Without to you. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Just holler at me, whatever. We'll do, man. Cool. Thanks, Ant. How many viewers you guys have right now? I, I don't even know. Well, we got 118 live. So 118. That's not bad. Oh, famous. That's not bad for a for an off season show. My wife is always like, and there are really people watching live in the middle of the summer when there's nothing to talk about. Oh, I was like, man. Well. If you're bored, if you'd you're, be surprised. <laughs> if you hey, if you're bored and you want to listen to some drama, 
um michigan a michigan beat writer versus like some michigan state guys uh i had in a space today oh i saw some i saw some people talking about that on (laughs) go back hey it's in a recording if you want to listen to some grown men like yell at each other go ahead go hit hit play i start it when it like starts and it's like 30 it's it's only 30 minutes it's a it's a legit 30 minutes straight of just craziness (laughs) all right um, i'm gonna check that out i appreciate you guys i really really do Thanks, man. Right. You've made uh, you've made on. following you. all this transfer portal stuff this year uh, much more fun and interesting. So, hey, I, hey, I can't say too much, but I may have something cooking for next year already, Ooh, and it's going to okay. be wild. It's gonna okay, be wild. beautiful, it's beautiful. Wild. Thank you, Ant. We'll talk to you soon, man. Right. Thanks. See you guys. All righty, and that is going to do it for us on this week's edition of the Assembly Call. Thanks to Ant for being here. Uh, If you ever want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thank you, as always, to Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thank you to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next Thursday. Until then. Take it from me, Max Bielfeld. Keep your calves flexed, your elbows in, and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Here I come. This is done, Sony. <clears throat> All right, good stuff, Andy. Yeah, that was awesome. Good having you back, man. Yeah, he's he's a fun dude to talk hoops with. Yeah, I mean, it's always good to have other people who watch as much Big Ten basketball as, as <laughs> I'm sure more realistically for every team, but uh Anytime yeah. you can talk the, the to the folks someone. who are really into the Big Ten, you there's yes. like everybody has a soft spot, even though uh <laughs> even as he said he's having to try to like defend Purdue's performance or whatever. That's how you know no, you get somebody who really uh that's tough to do. But that's uh, really yeah, what brings all Big Ten knows, fans together. Knows the league well. Yeah. Yeah. We have to freaking apologize for Purdue. Just take care of your yeah. actually don't take care of your business. It's fun when you Yeah, it's more fun the other way, but but, yeah, I mean, he can, anyway. he can, if whenever you talk with someone who's not like a fan of your school, but they can pull out little obscure things like him pulling out Malik Renew making the three against Bethune Cookman. Now you've got someone who studies the league. So yeah, just that's a good. Bit. Just a little so, bit. No, we'll have awesome. him on again in the future. He's uh he knows his stuff. So for sure. All right, man. He does. He does. All right, Andy, take care, everybody. We will see you all later on all right. in the community back here next Thursday. See you